0: from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to reformationboise.com.
1: Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. Once again, it's a joy to be with you here in the morning. And once again, I would have been saying, I, we haven't heard from our listeners lately, but that is no longer the case. We have heard from our listeners, our tens and tens of listeners. <laughs> so if you are one of those tens of tens, you can reach out to us at thegospelforlifeidaho at com. If you want, it can be about a topic that you want to address on the radio. If you want, it can just be that you have some pastoral concerns that you want some feedback on, and we will prayerfully respond and hopefully biblically respond and, and can't say that we can solve all your problems but we can be pastors to you and direct you hopefully to places where you can receive care and support and encouragement and and be strengthened in your faith so that is at the gospel for life Idaho, at gmail.com we have been looking at some questions that people have from a bible if you remember i borrowed a book from my dad i'm not sure The title is The 50 Most Important Bible Questions. I always cringe a little bit when somebody throws the word most in there because some of these I I actually don't think anybody's asking, (laughs) let alone are they in the top 50. But – be that as it may, there we 50 are using it. It, inspi- it
0: inspires us to talk about yes, those yeah. kind of things. Yes.
1: So please don't keep track of the numbers because we're not going to cover all of the questions in the book. But we did find that at least the questions provide a good launch for things that we actually do think are questions or topics or concerns. So we're going to spend a couple of days just thinking about the Bible. So. Sometimes we throw out terms about the Bible. Let's begin by just defining some of those. So there are three I words that we use, inspired, inerrant, and infallible. So for our listeners, can you define those three words before we head into other areas that we want to talk about?
2: The Bible is inspired. Breathed by God. It's uh, no prophecy of Scripture came by the will of man, but men moved by the Holy Spirit. So it is inspired as the Holy Spirit has spoken through using the gifts and using the characteristics and styles of the human authors. It wasn't like a typewriter, or I guess that's dating myself. It's not like a uh, computer where you're uh, typing away and just automatically, you know, just brainwashing, but he used those the situation of the human authors and but it is god's word inspired by him
1: so that's inspired how about infallible
0: and inerrant related but different infallible without error well not liable to be proved false Mm -hmm. i guess is Mm -hmm. the best way to say that it's it's it, it isn't open to falsehood
3: yeah, uh, inerrancy then is the, the writers of scriptures made no errors, uh, they were preserved from error by the Holy Spirit as they were carried along by God's will and words. But it also there doesn't mean that everything in the Bible is true in the sense that like when Satan speaks, he deceives and he lies. Mm-hmm. But that is an accurate representation of what he said. or It's, it's true that he said mm-hmm. these things, even those, those things that he said are lies. That makes sense.
1: So sometimes I just try to say it very simply and say infallible means that it can't make mistakes inerrant means that it didn't yep mm-hmm. so they're very much related and sometimes people try to differentiate in a weird way that it the bible is infallible but not inerrant or whatever no we believe it is inspired infallible and inerrant and when we say infallible and errant what are we specifically talking about
0: well, we're talking about uh, the propositional statements of God's word. Um, we're talking, you know, we're, we're understanding that the word of God uses oftentimes phenomenal language or, you know, you know, just the same way when we talk about when the sun rose up uh, this morning, we recognize it's not sometimes speaking in a scientific way, but in a literal way. But we're talking about a very literal hermeneutic of the Bible that we, we should take God's word's as God's word communicated to us. John Calvin used to say that God speaks to us uh, in baby talk. He he lists to us because he is God. He's, you know, language is developed to communicate to us. And so he has to speak oftentimes in human terms um, with us. You know, so when it says things like God remembered, well, God never forgets, but he's just, it's it's a way for us, a way to present an assurance to us.
2: I think uh, uh, Westminster kind of narrows it down a little bit to the original autographs that we call, so specifically the Hebrew that the Old Testament was written in, and the Greek that the New Testament was written in.
0: You know, the the the, the most uh, common place to put your finger in in the and the God's Word to point to inspiration is Second Timothy three sixteen, where it says, "All Scripture is breathed out by God, you know, uh, and profitable." for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So this breathed out quality, it's, its you know, when uh, Ryan was talking about how he spoke through the prophets, uh, you know, he actually, it, when we think about breath, you know, it's, it's, this word is so hard to explain. It's, it's theopnustos in the in the Greek. It's it's uh, God breathed, and so God is breathing through the author, so that his words are actually the ones that are recorded. And those
1: authors wrote in either Hebrew or Aramaic or Greek. And how many of those original writings do we actually
0: have? Well, sixty-six books of the Bible. There, there, we have we have we have them divided into the sixty-six books of Old and New Testament. No, I
1: was actually saying about the literal things that Peter wrote down. How many, or Paul, or Moses, or David, or Zechariah? How many of those original documents do oh, we possess?
0: Certainly, we don't have the originals, but we do have manuscripts that you know, like for instance, the Greek. There's thousands of Greek manuscripts. That be, can be compared one to another. And uh, one, you know, with the multiplicity of manuscripts, you are able to detect when, when one made, you know, maybe a scribe and copying it, uh, copied down the wrong word or the, you know, maybe got a spelling wrong. In that multiplicity, we, are, we can be assured that we have the original.
1: So when we say the Bible's infallible, that when we say it's inerrant, what we're saying is that in its original form, there were no errors. What Mm -hmm. we are saying is that there could be scribal errors that have occurred over time, but we have so much documentation of the Hebrew and the, the Greek manuscripts that we know that those errors would be so few and so far between, and none of them of substantial nature to to alter the the overall reliability and truthfulness of of the word of god now we have what are called translations so the bible was not written in english Mm. so we can't say that the english bible itself was inspired because god didn't uh, have the word originate in english or spanish or german or dutch or i used to be in a dutch part of the world where when there was some sort of dispute about something, they would say, but the Dutch Bible says.
0: <laughs>
1: and I wanted to always say, you do know that God is not Dutch. <laughs> and that the, the, That's probably the ins- news to them. <laughs> the inspired word of God was not Dutch. And, and the Dutch. <laughs> and the Dutch. But every translation is going to struggle because you're trying to take thoughts and phrases and ideas that were in Greek and Hebrew and move them into another language. Mm-hmm. And anytime you're moving something from language to language, there are rooms for, room for some squishiness because our words and their words are not the same and we don't have one-to-one. So like in the English language, we have the word love that covers Like six different applications. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, in the Greek language, they would have had at least three, really four words that would function the same way. Mm -hmm. Well, it's hard for us then to capture the Greek and the English because our words are limited. Our words are different. So, if we're talking about translations and somebody says, well, this is the best English translations, let's help people out. How do we understand just differences in translations? What are the different translation philosophies that exist?
3: Let me recommend a book that's been helpful for me. It's by Gordon Fee and Mark Strauss. It's called How to Choose a Translation for All It's Worth. And they one of the resources they create in the appendix is a continuum of versions where they talk about uh, formal approaches to translation, think of like direct word-for-word, one-to-one, mm-hmm. as close as we can get it, from the original uh, languages into English, to more functional, where we're looking at context and culture and and, and updating some of the language to get out of that formalness. And then in the middle is kind of mediating versions. So, Mm -hmm. for example, if you look at uh, the American Standard version, they, they classify that as very formal, maybe a little wooden structured version where if you move over to like the Living Bible, is very functional, almost a, a commentary. And then right there in the middle, you have uh, versions like the English Standard Version, and then uh, the version we use is the Christian Standard Bible, which is the heir to the Holman mm-hmm. Christian Standard Bible. And they use something called a dynamic equivalent, which is a combination of this word-for-word, formal, uh, where appropriate, and then the combination of that functional. So mm-hmm. Amos 4, six is a great example of this, where the ESV says, the Lord uh, gave them uh, cleanness of teeth. Well that's a colloquialism of the near east that meant that god created famine in the land. So in the CSB that translates it uh, god uh, gave them nothing to eat. So it kind of helps us understand what those words mean.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. Well sometimes and and what what happens sometimes in the translations those translations do the work of the pastor. Yep. Pastor, you know, we exposit god's word. We we you know, we're looking at that too and oftentimes we've been trained to look at the original languages so then we are actually, you know, doing that interpreting in the process of preaching. But we're aided by um multiplicity of translations as well. And as you're pointing out, you know, there's there's a formal formal word for word kind of wooden and you know, they, the the ASV is one of these where it even takes on the same Sentence structure yeah. as the Greek, you know. So depending on how the verbal sentence structure is laid out, it'll it'll follow that same structure. Whereas uh, you go into like the Living Bible or some of these others, the Message, they're they're para- paraphrases. They're they're you know. So there's a paraphrastic construction. There's a it's kind of like an explanation of what it means, and so a paraphrase. and and they're not bad. But a paraphrase is more of a more of a translation than a more of a commentary uh, commentary than it is a translation.
1: And so, I I think it's really just helpful to know where a translation fits on the spectrum um, that Vinny was talking about. And if you're going to do serious Bible study, I think you want to be more on the literal end of the of the, the translation spectrum. If you're doing more reading. Where you're trying to get a sense of the text, it, it might be more helpful to be more on the dynamic equivalent side of, of the spectrum. But you just know where you are on the spectrum, and that should help you. Unfortunately, we are out of time. I think we're going to just pick this up a little bit tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've been listening to The Gospel for Life, and we will see you next time.